said that apparently he had preached a message on Sunday or something and one of the students came to him and said and demanded I guess demanded that he give him an apology the preacher to the student because what he had spoke on hurt his feelings sound familiar in today's world and it just it just got me. And the, uh, the, the preacher, professor, whatever, he didn't back down. And he gave, a, you know, he, he, his response was, well, if you're here training for the ministry, if you're here to grow in your walk with God, then this apparently is not the right place for you. Because if you get offended by the word of God, then you got a problem. And uh, so I, uh, I I would like to talk to us tonight uh, from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 through 10. And this is uh, simply, uh, tonight we're going to talk about repentance, but going to maybe broaden the scope of it just a little bit here. And this is... Uh, Paul writing and uh, listen to to these scriptures okay he says for when we were come into Macedonia our flesh had no rest okay now he is planting churches okay he's not just planting churches in Christian communities okay It, it isn't like he's going from from here to Spokane or from here to Yakima. No, no, he's going to parts of the world that the gospel has never been to before. And he says, so when we came to Macedonia, remember the great scripture, the great story, right? The Macedonian call. What was that? Remember? Come, help us. And literally, say historians say that him going there opened up the opportunity for the gospel to go into western civilization which changed the course of history so 
So when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, okay? Probably didn't uh, have the air-conditioned home with a nice, comfortable bed, you know, clean sheets, right? Talking about the real world back then. In fact, I don't know, you know, he, he probably maybe made friends real quick, but he wasn't liked here, okay, because he was bringing a new message, so... He was on his own. Didn't have no PIMs, mostly, okay? So he said, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side, every side. Without were fightings, and within were fears. In other words, he's saying, on the outside, on the outside, there was trouble. There was conflict. And on the inside, on the inside, we're stressed out. We're full of anxiety. Okay? Nevertheless, God that comforts those that are cast down, he comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. In other words, Paul was trying to, he was, he was working for God, trying to build another church. But what was happening was, part of his stress was because of the letter that he had written previously to the church, newly established church in Corinth. First Corinthians, you read it, he wrote a really harsh letter to them because they needed it, okay? And he wrote a very harsh letter. So during the time he's in Macedonia, part of his heart is still wondering, wow, I mean, you know, I wonder what's going on, how, what's going on. He had sent Titus to check on him. Titus comes back and he says, when Titus came back and he gave the report as to how you're now doing, he says, my heart rejoiced. For though I made you sorry with a letter, this is the student, you know, yeah. standing up, he said, you offended me, preacher. He says, though I made you sorry for with the letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. In other words, he's saying initially, after I'd sent it, Feedback was really, really negative. I thought, oh boy, I preached the wrong message. He says, but now, he says, I realize that it was for your benefit and I'm not sorry at all. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, not that your feelings were hurt, okay? But that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. In other words, he didn't want it, didn't want it to hurt him, to damage him. For God, here we go. Now look at this. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. 
but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Okay? So, with that, so, it, it just parallels so, so good with uh, that little story that I, I read, and that's the little clip that I saw, because we are living in a day where you have to be so very, very careful of what you say. Okay? <clears throat> now, we're all aware, James writing, he says, the tongue is deadly poison. And it literally, how's it, how's it worded? It says it, it actually starts hellfires or something to that degree, right? In other words, he's saying, what comes out of your mouth, you've got to be extremely careful because it's poisonous and it will start a fire that will get completely out of control. So much more in our day. You have to be... And, and then, let me just throw this out there. And how many of you are, are strong and... You want to voice your opinion. Oh, yes. Huh? You want to just, right? You want to shout it from the housetop. You want to, you want to tell people how stupid they are, right? Well, come on, let's just be out front. You just want to. But more than likely, it ain't going to accomplish anything other than stir the pot up, for the most part. Okay? But, it's different, okay? It's different for us that understand that the Bible says that, how's it go? How can they be saved? Right? Somebody help me out. How can they be saved unless they hear the word of God and how can they hear the word of God unless they hear a preacher? For by the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of preaching, God chose that method. Not meaning that this is foolish. There's some pretty far out stories in there, right? I mean, some really good ones. I love them. But the word of God is meant to Correct us when we need correcting. As the writer said, to rebuke us, to exhort us. But ultimately, it will. It will save us. Amen. And it will get us to a place where this imperfect thing that we walk around in called flesh, that we will no longer have to walk around in this imperfect form, that we literally will be transformed into his likeness and we will become, okay, an eternal being. Amen. I believe that. Yeah, I, that's why we're, right? Do you, young people, do you believe that? Amen. Okay, good, good. And so, so in today's world, today's world, we have to be careful, of course, because we don't want to offend. The Bible says that if you offend your brother, 
if you break your spirit or something, it, it'd be easier for you to rebuild the city than to rebuild your relationship with that person that you offended. So if we're trying to win people, first of all, if we're trying to maintain unity within the assembly, if we're trying to, to build one another up, okay, you got to be very, very careful because somebody will say something that will hurt your feeler, okay? So I tell people I have one feeler left and you just heard it. So you got to when it comes to the word of the Lord, okay, wisdom has to come from here as to how we, you know, we, we feed, how we, we dish it out, how when God moves through us, what we give out, okay? But when it comes to this, wow, if it's in line, we have no room to be offended. Mm -hmm. Because what happens, there, Paul wrote there, he says, there is, re, you know, repentance, godly sorrow should lead to repentance, which leads to salvation, but in the world, it leads to offense and will ultimately lead to bitterness and ultimately will result in death. So gotta be gotta be careful. All right. So and, and the you, of course preaching is to lead one to believe and receive the gospel so they can be saved. Most of the time that means feeling a godly sorrow for one's sin. I mean, if there's sin in your life, you want to feel convicting power of the Word of God. Amen. You want to feel the Holy Ghost, you know, making you stand up and, and recognize that you've done something wrong. Because if you don't recognize that, then how can you... God cannot flow through a vessel where there is sin blocking the pathway to revival. Amen. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, Hebrews 4 and 12. Somebody quote that for me. Anybody? What is it? Hebrews 4 and 12? For the Word of God... Did I, maybe I got the wrong one, right? For the word of God is, the word of God is, what? Put it up there. Quick, powerful, sharper, sharper than two any two-edged sword. Now, if somebody's coming after you with a two-edged sword, dude, you got a real problem because they're not just slicing you on one end. It's cutting you up. This way and this way. Okay? Piercing even to the dividing asunder soul. Soul and spirit. Wow. Now, I don't know how deep that is, right? But that's getting down to the nitty gritty. And 
I, I've never quite figured this one out. I mean, somebody explain that to me. I don't want to feel that two-edged sword. I, I mean, some mornings, you know, when I feel like I'm 50, I get up and I feel the joints already feeling like that, you know? There's something going on there. But here's the powerful part, okay? Even it's a discerner of what? It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And the Bible says, what does the Bible say about the heart? No man. Right? How's that go? No man. It's full of deceit. And so, because our hearts, there is that Adamic nature inside of us, and that you and I, we think we know our heart, but according to this, we don't really know our heart. You think we think we're good all the time, but there is a good possibility that there's something in there. Okay, that's why that repentance is always going to be an absolute lifestyle of an apostolic Christian. It has to be all-inclusive, just like your Bible reading, just like your worship. Repentance is the key to our success. It's the very foundation. Okay? So, let me, uh, let me give you a definition of sin that I found that, wow, I, it was kind of a wow definition to me. I'd never heard it like this. It says, sins are fixations. Fixations that prevent the energy of life and God's love or the Holy Ghost from flowing freely. They are self-erected blockades that cut us off from God's and from, therefore, our own spiritual potential. Self-directed blockades, like you know, kind of like the uh, the veins and the heart arteries and stuff. How many of you got good arteries? I don't know. Can't see them, right? <laughs> but the blood cannot flow through all parts of the body unless it has free-flowing arteries and veins. The Holy Ghost cannot. The Holy Ghost cannot because it would contradict okay, the holiness or the character of God from flowing through an unclean vessel. You, God can't do it. It is an impossibility because He cannot flow through and so it's like you know like we 
if we're not careful, that's why repentance is so key. Because if there's sin in your life, you got a blockade, you know, there's a blockage in the blood flow. There's a blockage in the flow of the Holy Ghost. There's a blockage in God's potential to work through you. But repentance literally cleans it out and makes it flow again. Okay? And repentance comes from a Greek word, M-E-T-A-N-O-E-O-E-O. However you want to pronounce that, okay? Here's what it, it means, a change of mind, a regret for sin that results in a change of conduct, a change of mind, a change of heart and new direction. That's a pretty big word. A lot of times, you know, people think repent. Oh, well, God forgive me. And He does if we ask. But that's not repentance. Repentance is a change. Repentance is a word of action. Repentance is that we change direction that we change the way that we think about sin it is a all encompassing spiritual part of our walk with God we got to look at it in the right way not that we just pray God forgive me because I you know I kicked the dog again right no no don't kick the dog again that's repentant. Use a side door when you get mad. Okay? So, and here's another one. One man wrote this. Repentance is a most powerful change agent. It is an act of remorse or wanting to overcome a flaw or shortcoming. It is an indicator of growth and the desire to become better. Wow, I didn't know what. I didn't know that's really what that was all about. But see, the problem is, the challenge is, if you don't look at it in that respect, then you're not really getting the full definition of what God's trying to do through repentance. Because if we're truly repenting over something, what we're trying to do is we're trying to become better. We're trying to overcome a weakness or an imperfection in our character. Right? That's repentance. God forgive me for that. Okay, sure I will. But let's see you do a little bit better next time. All right? See you do a little bit better. It's the, the we all know the most challenging thing in life is to become a master of your own self. You got to rule. You got to be your own CEO. You got to be your own boss. Okay? You've got, I have got to, I've got to decide what comes in and what goes out. Right? Because if you don't, 
Nobody else is going to do that for you. Sure, your spouses will try to help you, but of course, you know how far that's going to go. No, just kidding. No, you understand what I'm saying? Is that really, truly, you, the, the most challenging, because we're all trying, okay? At least I believe we are. We're trying to become more Christ-like in our character. The way that we do that is I have to want to grow. In order to grow, I have to try to correct those little things in my life that I know are stopping the flow of God from moving to my fullest potential. How much potential does one person have with the Holy Ghost? I don't know. But I guarantee you, it's a lot more than what we have right now. Yeah. Okay? Alright. How powerful is repentance? A couple of examples. First Kings twenty-one. Story of this really nice guy named Ahab. Bible says he is the most abominable king that ever lived. And yet, after Elijah got through preaching to him, listen carefully. Elijah preached to him, man. He said, God said that you are going to have real problems, dude. And the Bible says that Ahab humbled himself. He fasted. He put on sackcloth and ashes. And God says, because he repented, I am not going to bring this to pass in his lifetime. But you just said he was the most disgusting Whoa. That's powerful stuff. How about Nineveh? There was only one message for Nineveh. This is what the Word of God is supposed to do. Jonah walks in after he's been belched out of the well. He goes walking in. He says, your days are numbered, man. You got 40, you got 40 days and you're toast. I mean, he didn't give them any hope. But the Bible says that he got in the hearing of the king of Nineveh, I think there were 120,000 people, something like that. The Bible says that the king of that city, he put out a proclamation that not only every man, woman, and child is going to fast, but don't even feed your donkey. And the Bible says that God relented he repented no he changed his mind because of their repentance and the preacher got mad because he was a false prophet right he stood back and he was all right yeah yeah god i can't wait i can't wait to see how that you you know, that you bring to pass the message I just preached. You're going to just get him. God doesn't get, he forgives him. And got to love that, right? Jonah gets mad. He's standing out there watching him burn, hoping to watch him burn. God said, no, not today. Not today. And then, of course, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which is what? Say that out loud. 
we just gave you, we just gave you the probably, as far as I know, the greatest, greatest, most powerful example in the entire Word of God in the city of Nineveh. Amen. Oh yeah. So with that in mind, I wonder what would happen if one particular city. I wonder what would happen if New York City somehow, some way, could convince. However, million. What is there? Nine million? Some? I don't know. Uh, what would happen? Yeah, few, few less right now. What would happen if an entire city would would there something take place? Well, you you understand that God, God is what's the right word to use here? God is uh, is held bound to his word. In other words, you cannot deny that scripture. If he said it and he would do it, then that means if we do it, he'll do it. But Jeff, scripture just comes into my mind is here in the last eight years, ten years, twelve years we've had all this unrest is that to me it seems like that the peace of, of this land is basically falls upon the church that my people which are called by my name yeah. right? Yeah. I mean it's, it clearly says my people called by my name I, it really you know, we want peace in our land. It's really, it's, it's going to fall upon the church. I mean, it's pretty scary. There's a lot of, that's, it falls right here on me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, who wrote that? Where did that come from? Where did that, that was an answer to whose prayer? Solomon. Yeah, Solomon. Dedicating the temple. The glory of God came down, filled that place, and this is the words that came from it. Yeah, God assured him, said, Solomon, if you sin, if my people sin, and I withhold rain and no crops, he says, you've got to let them know. There's an out. There's an answer. There's a, something that can take place to change that. See, Man, that's that you know. That's why you know, we gotta. It's to save us. It's to bless us. It's to comfort us. It's to encourage us. But it is, in fact, a two-way street. And uh, so, all right. Um, what did John the Baptist preach? I was like his. Is it? What did Jesus preach? Repent. First words out of his mouth. What did Peter preach? First words out of the mouths. That's pretty dynamic, trianic trio there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason why repentance is always out front. 
John said, hey, he called, okay, he called the Pharisees and Sadducees, okay? He said, you brood of vipers. He says, you bunch of snakes. And what did he say after that? He says, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Wow. <laughs> but you're but you're offending me. <laughs> John, do you think John the Baptist is gonna care? Probably not. Okay. So <clears throat> all right, so back to uh uh Corinthians here. No, in, in the previous chapter, chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, Paul talks about, uh, Brother Cliff, if you can put that up there, 6, 11, and 12. Boy, that's a nice sunrise. Where'd that come from? Is that this morning? No. No, that was, I'd have to look. That was one of the better ones. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 and 12. Or I guess somebody has it, they can just read it. That's all right. Yeah. 11 and 12. Because we were talking about the heart, right? I mean, it's all about the heart, okay? O ye Corinthians... Our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Verse 12. Now that must not be it. You are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. That's not going right? <laughs> That's 11 and 12. Huh? That's 11 and 12. Okay. Second well, Corinthians 6, 11 and 12. That's what I had. Anyway. He's talking about that what has there there has been a constraint in their hearts. It says that their sin, and I'm paraphrasing, says their sin, when he wrote the letter to them, he was trying to let them to understand that your heart needs to be purified. And he's saying, if you'll open your heart to us. We can help you. In other words, he was saying it's going to hurt initially. It's going to feel like that it's the opposite is taking place. You're going to feel conviction. You're going to feel remorse for what you've done. Because if you read the Corinthians, first Corinthians, they were like, they were not acting very good. Let's put it that way. Okay? But... So he was telling me, you, you got to open your heart because the heart is the issue always going to. That's why the Bible says that, that when God found David, he said he found a man after his own heart. And so then uh, in uh, chapter 7, Brother Cliff, 7, 1 and 2, Seven and one and two. I don't know how I got the sixth chapter wrong. 
Does somebody have the Bible handy? Hey, you just read. Brother Sergeant, would you read that real quick? Seven, Second Corinthians 7, 1 and 2. Seeing then we have these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and finish our sanctification in the fear of God. Receive us. We have done wrong to no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. That's a... So what does the next verse say? I speak it not to your condemnation, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live together. Okay. All right, thank you. So here's Paul. He's trying to explain to them why that he wrote that first letter. And uh, then Titus comes back, gives him this report, and the Bible says that, that uh, Paul starts rejoicing. He starts to feel comfort. And I, I just wanted to stop there for just a minute. Okay? You'll, you'll never know how much it means sometimes. All the time, but sometimes more in particular. Because preachers don't always feel like they, they preach very good. You know what I mean? You ever felt that yet? Oh, sure, yeah. No? Never? Yeah. 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 You know, everyone, you, you just, sometimes you just don't feel like you can. This is what Paul had felt. He wasn't sure, you know, if he preached the right message to the right people at the right time. And Titus was coming back, and Paul was, he had, you know, conflict on the outside, fear on the inside. Titus comes back and he says, hey, Paul. He says, they responded to your initial letter and now they think you're the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> he says, and, and the Bible says, and this brought Paul such joy yes. because he knew that repentance was the key to su success. Either they were going to repent and get right with God or, you know, they were going to march out the door and maybe never come back. Okay, and we read that, uh, we read that too. So, but you know, sometimes you feel, let me, let me, uh, I, uh, I wrote down a couple of, uh, of uh, text messages that I, Receive sometimes, right? Because every once in a while, I just got to go back and I got to read something good that people say. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> but you'd be surprised. It says, here's one Pastor, you are not normal, but awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Several times this has happened, but this was message was a confirmation to me. Great service, great sermon, it's what I've been reading. And here's one that uh, recent that really, uh, really got my attention on. Partly because of the words and partly because of the person that came from. Great message, continue to trust in the Lord and be confident in your calling and purpose. He has put you here now 
for this time. And that's what that's what Paul that's what kept him kept him going. That's what kept him going. That's what gave him encouragement. That, that's what that's why they, that he could sit in a jail cell and write fourteen letters. Even when he was possibly almost blind, we don't know. Right? How many of you ever been to what they call it, the maritime prison? Right? The whole, what is it called? Inside, I mean, it's like a sewer down there. And uh, we've been there. Yeah. So, but, uh, I talked to you about John the Baptist, found in Matthew 3, 5, and 7. They came to John, were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Sadducees and Pharisees coming to be baptized, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. So let's, let me get back to that now. Verse number 10 of, verse, of chapter 7 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, yes. which leads to salvation which is not to be regretted for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner and what diligence listen to this what diligence it produced in you what clearing of yourselves what indignation what fear what vehement desire what zeal what vindication Paul was saying repentance produced all of that in this group of people. What are those words? It, it means like this. It means that they felt, they felt, number one, they felt godly sorrow for what they had done. Number two, it brought back to them the fear of God. Okay? And we know the fear of God to us is a reverential fear right because of who he is because of what he has done and what he can do and what he's going to do but people don't have any fear of God that's there, there's a lot of a lot of people like that possibly in the world today he said but and it brought this diligence to your life to where you were not going to get angry and bitter but you were going to become more aware and conduct yourself in a way that you knew was going to be more pleasing to God. It doesn't come with just, you know, wake up in the morning, plug the coffee in, drink coffee in, now I'm diligent for the things of God. Huh. And so... He writes this letter and he commands him and he try he explains to us really he enlarges what repentance does in a person's life. So repentance produces change, reformation. Remember what let me remember this definition of sin. Fixations 
that prevent the energy of life and God's love. I know, I pray all the time, right? I, I always say, God, I want to experience the fullness of whatever fulfillment is from you in here. Because the Bible tells me that the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God, is righteousness, joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. So my prayers, I said, God, I want to experience, I want to, I want to get everything that I can from God. But the other side of that coin is, in order to experience that, right? You got to focus on Him. You got to lay aside some of the things that you would like to do, but in order to connect with Him, you got to do those things instead. Okay? And I'm going to close. Uh, let me close. I'm going to close with a with a dream I have. Okay. I don't think I. Well, I know I didn't eat pizza. Okay, because we don't eat pizza. <laughs> I like hubbies. But the other night I had a dream, and part of it possibly was because of this, you know, one knee thing coming down and all that but in this dream one of our elders was facing the altar he was both knees down face buried in the carpet he was praying one of our people at the same time okay, at the same time not weren't one and then the other. No, at the same time, there was there was a lot of movement right here. Okay, good putting faces, but I understood the implications of that. In order for God to move here. There has to be something going on. Yeah. That produces this. This doesn't necessarily produce that. That produces this. It goes right back to Second Chronicles seven fourteen. In today's world, and I, I don't want to get political here, but I, I just can't separate it sometimes. Okay. Why they think that, I mean, okay, you know the drill. Taking a knee, taking a knee. God wants us to understand the power that he has invested in this vehicle called prayer and humility and repentance and there is a movement that can be produced, but it's not taking one knee to a particular group of people. 
It's taken both things to the one that created us and is trying to save us. It's not just halfway accepting his will, but as this individual, both names, face down, leading the way for something that God was doing down here. There's never been a question how that, what produces that. It is always produced that. And it's produced through not just prayer, of course, and worship, but it, and sacrificial giving, but it's produced mainly, okay, the quality of our spiritual life, the quality of our life, the quality of our relationship with God. It's the quality of our person. It's the how, how much that we are willing to allow God to flow through us. Not just flow in us. But I, I, I stop praying for the will of God necessarily, but I pray, I pray for the will of God to flow through me. I want Him to flow through me. I don't want to be a stopping place. So, I hope as you stand, we'll be dismissed, but I hope uh, this has made some kind of sense here tonight, but really, really and truly, I mean, repentance is just, it's the keystone. It's just everything that, it unlocks everything else. It unlocks everything else. Amen. Our faith, knowing that God is he honors this thing called repentance. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. All right, we're going to pray and be dismissed. And I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he would pray and dismiss us here tonight. And Lord, we come to thee tonight because we are so in need of your word, your spirit, your power to work in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you tonight for this word that is reminded us once again of our obligation and the results that we can receive from our response to your word. Bless God that we will each one take it to heart tonight that we might grow in you, we might gain in you, we might have the results that we desire and want in you. Touch every heart and mind tonight. Bless this church abundantly as we are observing troubled times that we might be a lighthouse in this city and your will be accomplished in this place we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Lord willing, see you Sunday morning.